Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, and today we have a very special edition. We get to speak to somebody who's had baseball as part of their life for quite some time now. Today, we welcome Bobby Bass to the show. He's a successful real estate broker at the Bass Group Real Estate. He's also a restaurateur. All this taking place out there in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and Louisville, Kentucky. Bobby is also a lover of the game and has a history with the game, including being drafted by the Colorado Rockies during the early years of their franchise. Bobby is also a dad who shares his love of the game today with his family. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you very much, Mark. It's so good to see you. I appreciate you having me on. Well, brother, I appreciate having you here. Uh, Bobby and I met years ago when I was working at the Courier Journal, and he was as well. I got to tell you, when I met Bobby, you know, first impressions are important, especially with you, when you're in a sales environment. But I immediately got a positive vibe from you, Bobby. I mean, you were friendly, you're approachable, you're engaging. And, you know, I just saw you as a person of character. And, and to me, that means a lot. You're the kind of guy basically you want to sit down and, and be able to share a story or two with. So I'm really glad you're able to be here with us and, and tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, thank you very much. That's a uh, well-appreciated compliment. I take that uh, very seriously. So I'm grateful for that. And likewise, I'm glad we uh, had that opportunity to work together and we're reconnecting here again. So Absolutely. thankful for that. Kind of give me a bit of an introduction to yourself with baseball. By that, I mean, as a youngster, When's the first time somebody put a ball in your hand and said, here, pitch it, catch it? Now, that's a great question. And, and, and as long as I can remember, we've been around the sport. Um, you know, I, I had definitely some natural ability as a youngster. But what really kind of consumed the family was, I'm guesstimating, 1983, 1984. Me and my mom are living alone in an apartment. She's watching some soap opera on WGN. And then all of a sudden, she sees this gentleman drinking beer in the stands with the fans with huge glasses and he cracks her up and she watches day two and day three and of course <laughs> that was Harry Carey and so she fell in love with the Cubs we had no baseball in our family at all and then you know this was in Tulsa Oklahoma so you know my grandparents helped raise me as well so my grandmother would come over and she's like well what's that oh it's baseball and then she's like oh he's cute and my grandmother had a crush on Mark Grace so then it just kept rolling and rolling. And, uh, you know, I got into playing and, uh, you know, uh, I just, I just love the game. I mean, there's nothing, you know, you get frustrated definitely with parts of the game and you oh, get yeah. frustrated that you always want to do better, but it was always my first love and, uh, you know, kind of progressed from there. But if you were to ask me going back into the archive, you know, I naturally had a love for it. My dad, who raised me, stepdad, but I call him dad, when I was about three, he was a baseball player. In fact, he gave up a college scholarship to uh, marry my mother and be my father. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, that's another tearjerker uh, for me. But, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, he had a lot to do with that as well. Although I almost quit. Uh, we were on a team called the Cowpokes. We were in Oklahoma. And it was an obnoxious orange color and a silly logo. And I was so embarrassed to wear that darn jersey around. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget that. I was like, I don't want to play anymore. I'm not wearing this anywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully, I, my mom didn't let me have my way at four years old. And, and I, I progressed in the game. But, uh, but yeah, if you were to ask me where it started, it, it started, I think, with my dad's influence. And then uh, my mom and grandmother falling in love with the Cubs. And who, <laughs> who couldn't, all right? I mean, come on, let's go. Harry Carey, that's pretty, uh, pretty essential to baseball. I'd, I'd say so, man. I mean, the energy that Harry Carey brought to that, and he, he brought so much oh, excitement. Yeah. I mean, even if you just had radio to, to listen to the game, 
that man's voice right. just was, I, we were talking about being engaging earlier. He definitely engaged his audience. He definitely yeah. captured them and brought them in. And I, I love it too. How, how you're talking about your mom and your grandma, they came in from maybe a slightly different perspective than your dad with you as well, but it did bring <laughs> you guys all together with the Cubs. Right. And, and, and speaking of the Cubs, you're going to be yeah. uh, checking these guys out here in a few weeks, aren't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. That, uh, we've, I've been blessed enough to be able to continue that. You know, we, we, you know, skipping a few steps, but we end up in California and my, my dad would find out back then the players would pretty much all stay in one hotel. Now they, uh, I'm sure it's a variety of reasons. One of them, including the money they make, they can stay wherever they want. Uh, but at that time they would pretty much all stay at the same hotel. So I still to this day need to get a, a really strong answer how my dad tracked that information, but, uh, we would go into Mesa and I remember, uh, you know, seeing Sammy Sosa and, and Popeye Don Zimmer oh, wow. and, uh, Paul Ozemacher and just all these different players and, uh, you know, get your autographs and, you know, spring training, as you know, is just a, just a magical time for many reasons, uh, as a fan, as a father, et cetera. So about, I don't know, five or six years ago, when my son became age, we started to fly out to Mason. Of course, they've got a new facility, but they're still in the same area. So we'll be out there yet again. I don't know how the autographs are going to go this year. I, I doubt they want people touching pins and balls, but we'll be out yeah. there uh, rooting for me anyway. And, uh, and having a, having a great time as we always do in spring training. Well, that's fantastic, man. And you, you know, you're talking about being able to take your own family and, and your son out there and getting, getting him engaged. And yeah. it, it is a little different this year as far as being able to interact, but you, we talked just a few moments ago then about the, the, your interest in the game. So from a three-year-old, to to actually getting further on in the game where were you at you were in california back when you first really started playing was like with high school and such or how did that evolve yeah yeah you know you know i moved to california when i was about uh 10 so i would have been 1989 and uh moments weeks before the big bay bridge earthquake during the giants and a's world series so that coming because we're oklahoma texas and california so coming from texas we, we were more worried about tornadoes so that was a little bit different uh thing uh, yeah, so I started to play there and, you know, things progressed. I was always had pretty good size. You know, I'm 6'5 now, but, you know, I was, you know, in high school, 6'3, pretty slender. Uh, you know, I think at the time, and I don't know how much the terminologies changed, there was a lot of ceiling capacity that they would say that they saw. And, and I threw the ball pretty hard. I mean, I mean, I was hitting 87, 89 at 15 years old. So I had a pretty good little arm. The earliest I can remember is about 14 or 15, the, the, the scouts would start to come to the games. And, and again, some of this it has likely evolved to maybe, maybe some of this is still the same, but they would hand out these, they would track down the parents. So, if, you know, if they saw me and they liked me, they'd track down my parents. They'd give them a little playing card. And to me, that was just like freaking gold. I mean, to have the major league you know, at the time, I mean, the Expos and the Angels and actually the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. I'll oh never my. forget that scout. They were the Devil Rays at that time. And uh, who else? I think the Chicago Cubs. And they'd fill out these player profile cards. So, you know, you have to think as a 15-year-old, you, you know, I think everybody's viewpoint's a little different. Like, I always wanted to play at the highest level possible. And, you know, every kid that really loves the game wants to be in the pros, but you don't really think about the steps to get there. So for that first step, we didn't really seek it out. It just kind of came to us. It was really um, uh, a lot to consume in a, in a very positive way for us. So, oh, my goodness, wow, that's, you know, I knew we were pretty good and making some all-star teams. That's one thing. And uh, But, you know, to actually get that is is, is quite something different. So, um we started to do that, and then they would invite us to these prospect um, uh, showcase shows, and you know, they'd give you a wood bat, which was freaking sweet. You know, <laughs> now they're you can go get them at Dick's Sporting Goods, but back then, you know, that was like, oh my gosh, that's oh, you yeah. know, that's only for the pros. So we get our little wood bats and play, and and you know, things went well. That was really eye opening for me because uh, 
I always knew I was good, but I never thought of myself as like, hey, I'm better than everybody else. That was just never, just never my thing. And uh, so, but, but when we got to really get out there and, and see some of the best in the Bay Area and compete and, and be at that level, it was like, hey, you know, this could, this, this could escalate a little bit. And that's kind of uh, how that took place leading in, into the draft and how that all took place. And it, was, it was definitely a special time. I can't imagine. Actually, I can't imagine, but it sounds, yeah. very, you know, to be able to do it. So I'm glad you're sharing it with us. I, you know, I always, I've always been a little concerned about youngsters being brought into this and thinking, how can they be prepared for this? You know, you and I were talking yeah. casually the other day and I was thinking about Mickey Mantle and I felt like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously decades ago, but I felt like in some ways yeah. he was like a babe in the woods. And I, I don't know how it was during your time and I don't know how it is now. Were there any challenges as a youngster as you were you know, coming into this and getting drafted? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my problem is obviously very specific to me and, and, and probably to each player. But, you know, I, I was probably so good at baseball because I had to have something. So, I, you know, without getting into all the details and this being a, you know, a freaking Titanic of a <laughs> and, and link proportion of, a, of a, a talk here. You know, I had a lot of issues. I really did. You know, I had uh, issues just from a myriad of things that had happened in my childhood. And uh, baseball was my one constant. That's the one thing I could go and in some ways control. I knew I would enjoy it. Yeah, I, obviously, I don't, wouldn't enjoy the strikeouts or the pop, pop-ups to the catchers were the worst in the world. You know, there, were, there was always – that's something that I could depend on. That The game was always very good to me. I enjoyed it. And so I dove in maybe a little bit deeper than maybe some of the – I would notice my other – friends would just because that was my escape like and unfortunately you know when I, as I got older you know it became drinking it became it became drugs it became a lot of poor decisions and it was really alarming mark when I look back it's, it's really kind of a tremendous story of what happened you know, I was I was 17 when I got drafted I was one of the youngest players to get drafted in the country wow. I was still in high school I should have been a, a grade above but I was a grade below so I got drafted so we sat down with the scout and said, okay, what's, what's our options here? And the decision was to, um, to not sign and to go to college and to get better. Well, you know, I kind of came to a fork in the road. Like I had, it was time to address these issues. I couldn't get away from them. I couldn't hide them under baseball and they started to come out. So what that allowed me to do, I think with baseball, once I kind of got that notoriety in the area, I was a little less hesitant to kind of hide the issues I was dealing with and just said the heck with it. I was just really frustrated because I got to that level that we were all looking for. I got drafted and none of my problems went away. In fact, they got worse. Uh And so that was really disheartening for me. And that's when I just started to really cut loose. And so fast forward, I go to this uh, JUCO in the same city that my scout was in. And that was the game plan. Get even better, get higher in the draft, get a better payday. And that's junior college for some of those who may not know, JUCO, junior college. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, junior college. And uh, I got so out of control, I gained like 30 pounds of nothing but beer and jack-in-the-box for those that are familiar with that franchise. And I got kicked off the team. Oh, wow. And so my mom and my dad were like, okay, we got a problem. We got to get you out of here. This is not adding up. And um, a series of things happened. And I kid you not, we went from California and – I'm guessing it was like three to five weeks later, yeah. our house sells. My dad gets a promotion right back to Texas and we, we just get the heck out of there. Um, you know, that ended everything in California and I never knew I would, if I would ever play again, long story short for my personal journey, that's, 
that's when I was at the end of the rope. Now I didn't even have baseball. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, now I've got all these problems. Baseball didn't fix it. Now baseball could be gone. I was a freaking mess, Mark. Uh, emotionally, just, just, just in a horrible mess. And my grandfather, who was in Tulsa at the time, he's since passed, but he, he was and always will be my hero. He says, Bobby, you know, he was, he was a, a minister. And he says, Bobby, I, I think you really need to, you need to search this out for yourself. And if you've ever had a time, you need to try to find as best you can who Jesus is because you're in quite a bit of a problem. Right. And of course, that's the last thing I wanted to hear. Um, but I was so desperate and so heartbroken. I, I did. I, I went to his friend's church there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, walked in the church with an attitude, angry. Within 30 seconds, I was bawling like I've never cried before. And oh I just goodness. felt the presence and I knew, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for. And I dedicated and surrendered myself right there to the Lord. And uh, of course, there was plenty of, we're in Dallas, so there's plenty of baseball there. So <laughs> I went to college. Things started to, uh, you know, that's a lot of the things, you know, that's, that's a decision. But, but, you know, it's not like you just instantaneously, magically healed. You never have any problems again. But it was the start of the journey. So once I did that, I went to play in, uh, in Dallas. And, and uh, that's when the Rangers contacted my coach and said they were, they were going to get drafted. And that was kind of where we were with in, in Dallas and in Texas. I, I started, I obviously I missed that part, but I played and was playing at a, at a very high level, um, played very well. I, uh, in high school, you know, I, I aforementioned, I threw the ball pretty darn hard. Well, when I was about 16, I tore my rotator cuff, show oh. went off because I didn't want to warm up and there was a cute girl and I want to show her how hard I could throw it and <laughs> threw it out. Imagine that another quality decision. And then uh, uh, that same year I was, rounding first after a light rain hit a ball down the line slipped on the bag broke my elbow and then my senior year in high school they found a tumor and had to cut my shoulder out and remove a bunch of muscle so that's all in the right arm all the arm I threw with and so I remember I remember you know there was a doctor you'll never play again I remember telling my dad that guy's a freaking idiot he didn't know what he's talking about I don't care what he says this is not stopping me and so you know, it's crazy. We were out hitting and uh, my dad was throwing me BP at, at the high school. And I said, let me switch left. And so I started hitting left and I had a natural uppercut. And I just started hitting bombs. Like I always was a really good contact hitter from the right, but I didn't have that uppercut swing. So I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, for, of course, dad's like, no, I'll quit jacking around, go to the left. And I started hitting home runs. He's like, uh, okay, you can do it a little bit longer. And so then <laughs> I'll never forget. I went and I met in my senior year and actually to make the really put the chair on top it's actually our uh oh what's that what's the big dance uh for seniors here the prom um yeah prom thank you Duh. so it's prom night it's bases loaded and i'm like coach i've been working on my left he's like bass don't even think about it go right well i didn't i went left and i ended up hitting a grand slam <laughs> and i'll never forget i came back to the dugout i'm on cloud nine Grand Slam, prom night, my friends are on me, and my coach benches me for the rest of the game. But, I, you know, I was like, I don't care. It's just, I, it, 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 it was a good game, and I have a pretty good feeling it's going to be a good night. So I just took my uh, took my game ball and went home. But, yeah, I ended up having to switch, to tur- you know, try to create a little bit more value for myself since I couldn't throw nearly the way I could. So I switched to first base and, uh, and then switch hit, and that's kind of how I continued to compete at, at those levels. Oh man, that's, that's a heck of a story. Uh, I mean, taking all that on your right arm and just adapting or actually surpassing, you know, what you had going already. That's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, it, it was ugly. 
it was ugly. So I'm glad I was able to give me a few more, a uh, few more bats in my career for sure. <laughs> well, that's, that's exciting, man. So, but the thing about it is you were talking a moment ago about your own, a little bit about your personal journey further on down the line. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that, that took you, you know, you found the faith, you found uh, something bigger than baseball. I mean, as much yeah. as you enjoyed the game and, you know, that took care of, I guess I, maybe I'm putting, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but kind of an emptiness yeah. to feel that, that emptiness. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's, you know, for whatever reason, and I, and I, and I have an answer for, it. I did ask that question in prayer years and years later was like, you know, what was the point of me being so good in baseball and playing so long just to willfully give it up? And, you know, Mark, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I heard it just a very strong, uh, very strong thought in my heart is, you know, that's what kept you out of trouble. That's what kept you living. That's what kept you out of jail, kind of all those type things. So I'll, I have a very special relationship with baseball. I look back at my childhood and I, and I shudder to think if I didn't put in those hours, if I wasn't working on my swing, if I wasn't throwing extra pitches, what knowing the condition of my heart, what would I have gotten into? Right. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of sports. Um, there's so many benefits of it, you know, and, and as I, even when I first moved up here and I decided to give up the game, you know, I did private lessons and this is before my kid, I worked with kids and you start to realize like that may be the only thing all week that they enjoyed. When I got back into the game, it was completely different. It was like most kids did not play Little League and you had to be on a travel ball team. And I got really frustrated with many of the coaches in their approach to the game. Um, the game for a lot of the kids, even some of the best players I saw, at least in this area, they didn't even enjoy the game anymore. They put on too much pressure and they expected too much out of kids. That's one thing to show them that's the level you want to be in college or in pro, but these kids are 10, 12, 14 years old. They mentally can't handle that. And, and I'd also beg the, the, the fact that they physically can't handle some of these schedules. So it, to me, in a lot of cases, and I know there's wonderful coaches with a lot of wisdom, and I, don't, uh, and I don't lump them in on this statement, but a lot of them, these guys are just making good money uh, on some of these teams. And it just, it just really frustrates me because to me, it was such a, a loving, uh, just a love for the game. And there's kids that still have that, I'm sure. Again, these are kind of blanket statements. But that was one of the things that I, as I coached and my son played, is I would not let him play on a travel team because I knew what many of them were about until I finally found he was much later. He was mad at me, but I didn't let him play until he was about 13, 14. But, you know, they got these kids in travel teams at eight years old and they're driving two hours away. So I'm not a big fan of that. Um, I think it's too much for kids, frankly, above the kids to the parents. I think it's a lot of stress on the parents, time commitment wise, financially wise. Um, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here, but personally, I have a problem with that. I, I, I don't think that that's needed. I think you can burn kids out physically and emotionally. I think the game is fine uh, at, the, at the pace that a lot of the pros you know, take it. And they take a lot of time off that most people realize. They still work at it, but uh, I'm just uh, I'm really cautious on my personal son, and I, I always caution parents. I'm not saying it's all bad. But I'm saying use wisdom. Think it through. Just because they're on this travel ball team does not mean they're getting drafted. Just because they, you know, travel to eight different states does not mean they're getting drafted. You know, let the kid love the game. And I assure you, if he plays well, he'll get found. They pay people good money to find him. 
Exactly. I mean, the scouts are out there, and, and every now and then it's like, where did this guy come from? But yeah, <laughs> there, there is such a pool. I mean, I feel very fortunate. There was like a community when I grew up in a small town. They had they had a baseball parade every year with all the different teams were there. You you were in your yeah. uniform. And, you know, you, you weren't going all across God's creation. I mean, we had a, yeah. had like three ball fields in the park, at least. Maybe there's four, and I think back to it. Yeah. And so you always had something going on. Your investment was you had a sponsor who paid for your hat, your cap, and your, your jersey, you, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you, you got a glove and a bat. And, you know, if a kid didn't have it, somebody else would make sure that they did. And, and those yeah. kind of things. I look at that. I, I think about the boys and girls clubs. And to me, that's, that's just so important to think of, well, instead I'm making an investment in my child to be a pro that, yeah. that, that just doesn't stick with me. I think the expectations are too high. I think the, the pressure is too high. So I, I like the idea of community ball yeah. and, and forgive me for getting on my own soapbox here. Cause I talk about it too much anyway. No. But when you look at minor league ball, I mean, we used to have 160 teams, okay? <laughs> and think yeah. of every one of those players that go in there, every one of them have passion, have drive, and they want to be on a major league team. And yeah. that may never happen. I mean, we're down to 120 teams. And one of the reasons, mm-hmm. or a, a couple of the criticisms that came from Manfred, one of them was the amount of um, driving time it took for some of these minor league teams to go from one place to another. And you're talking yeah. about, about these teams where the de- out of development or the traveling teams. And I'm thinking, if you're thinking of this is already a problem in minor league, why would you be even yeah. thinking about doing that to a child? Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it, it, it and I still have, you know, haven't learned it all, but you know, my son is, uh, he'll be 15 in May. So he's 14. And you know what, it, you know, it, it's a business at the major league level. I get that, but now they've made it a business at the, single digit age, eight, 10, 12. Yeah. And um, it's incredible. And, you know, everything from that to <laughs> these darn bat restrictions to where you have to buy the kids bats, you know, and we're not buying $75 bats, mind you, Mark, we're buying four or five, $600 bats. Jeez. Oh, well now that's not legal. So our new standards are you need this bat. I mean, it's, it's just insane. Like I used the same bat for like eight years and it was made of like rubber and aluminum. And that was the only two pro- I mean, you know, we had the rubber, the, you know, the handle, uh, the grip and, uh, you know, like, like everything in our life, just the, the, the way that they monetize so many things that, uh, just takes, I think, I think the word I'm thinking of when you talk about your store and the community, is just, it takes the purity out of the game. Thank you. And that's what, that's what I, I think is missing is the purity of the game the love, the joy of the game. And you're right. It takes a community and I'm with you. My memories in Livermore, California were very much that we had the, you know, the local auto dealer was our, uh, you know, we had the team pictures and they, you know, all that fun stuff and, and parades and, uh, you know, all-star games and home run derbies, little fun things we would do there. But now, like when I coached half the players that are the best echelon, they don't come to any of those events because they have a travel ball game in Indianapolis. But they're not just missing those parades and those events. They're missing half the Little League season. So what's happening, and I'm, again, I can only speak to this area, like Little League is begging to get people to play because the higher medium to higher tier, they're all on travel ball teams thinking that's the only way I can get better. Yeah. And it's just a, it's just a different dynamic. And it's just one that uh, I'm just not a fan of. Uh, you know, I just uh, – 
like you said, I think the pressures, it just sends the wrong message. And it just sends, you know, whatever we do, we try to do the best we can at it. So, yes, of course, as a young player, if I'm really playing and put a lot of time into it, you know, I don't just want to say I'm going to play a little bit and then I'm just going to quit and do nothing. But what I'm trying to teach my son and the hard lesson I had to learn is, what if you change your mind? What if you get injured? What if it doesn't happen the way you want? I was so hyper-focused on baseball, and that's all I knew. I remember when I decided to move up here to kind of pursue Bible study, and, 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 I, and I gave up the game. Somebody asked me, well, what do you like to do? And I remember, I, this is the most stupid I've ever done. My I was 19, 20 years old, Mark. I had no clue. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. So I tried computer science. So I can t- I tried architecture. I tr- I mean, I, I had no clue. I didn't know who I was. I mean, my whole identity was wrapped up in the game and that's not the game's fault. That was just my issues and my approach to it. But what I'm trying to teach my son is, Hey, we're going to go for it. I got your back. We're going to play. But if for whatever reason, it doesn't work out that way. I could care less, dude. You're my golfing buddy. You're my business partner. When you grow up, I mean, we got so many other ways to make memories and to have a killer father-son relationship. Like I said, and, and that's why I try to tell him, like, Ashton, don't get me wrong. I want you to do the best you can, but I, I, I want you to know I don't care if you're a major league player. I don't care if you get drafted. I don't care if you play high school baseball. I love you for who you are, and I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to do your best. I want you to learn certain things that the game will give you, but I don't want you to get to where I was and whatever level that is, and not be able to go to the next level and just not know who you are and feel like you've uh, been a failure of some sort, because that's not at all how it's supposed to be. And that's not how I want you to receive that. And, and I don't think that's just baseball specific. My, my little brother was a great football player. He played at Oklahoma state, went to NFL combine and his career ended abruptly. And he had a similar thing, like, uh, what do I do now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and be open, be flexible pursue other things. It'll, it'll probably help. Cause I don't think it's good to be so wrapped up in just one sport. I think you make a very good point there about one, not being too wrapped up in one sport. I think you make some great points about it being family supported as opposed to this expectation of making the draft and, and being Mike Trout, you know, or whoever out there. And, and yeah. to, I mean, and looking to your own personal experience, you know, you had your dad, you had your mom, you had your grandma, you had your grandpa, you know, when there was things that weren't there helping to, to bring you back. Yeah. But to, to my observation is that your commitment and your dedication to whatever you put yourself into was going to help you succeed in other parts of your life. And, you know, while that's not, it's not actually saying, well, I'm going to take the same kind of pressure and do that. I think there's a sense of purpose. I think that, that, went above and beyond baseball for you. And it's obviously something, you know, you're communicating with your own family. That's something I think we all hope to do. I, I hope I've done that with my children. I, th- I feel like my wife and I've had very good fortune with that. I'm glad they've been able to participate with sports. You know, some of them was more of a social thing or whatever, but it did help them prepare, if nothing else, for social interaction with people. Yeah. And I, I look people like you, yeah. you know, Bobby, and a big part of your career and a big part of your success has been how you interact with people. So I, you tell me if I'm wrong. Here, what do you see baseball? Do you see all the the people that you wind up being interacting as part of 
building your own career? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking back, absolutely. And that's, uh, you know, one of the many benefits of the game. You're right. I mean, you, you have to learn, you know, obviously pressure and perform. I pitched a lot. You have to learn that. You have to learn communication. Uh, you know, definitely when we talk about this next generation coming up, you know, you know, I hear a lot of stories with friends that have kids, like I can't get them outside or they don't like to talk to people. They just text or they make little videos and there's like, you know, there's really not a lot of purpose behind the activities they're doing. So I'm very fortunate to where my son has always loved to go out and play. You have that I like about game. At that level, it allows them to navigate situations at their level. They need, they don't need to be worrying about the freaking election at 10 right. years old. Right. But what they can worry about is, hey, my buddy made an error. I can learn. I can get mad at him. I can get mad at him and I can judge him. Or I can say, well, you know, man, man, we all make mistakes. There you go. And don't worry about it. I got you on the next one. Or, and I need to learn accountability. Or guess what? They beat the fire out of us and they're being super obnoxious about it. So I can, you know, get mad back at them or I can just humble myself and say, what a bunch of losers and move on. You know what I mean? So right. those are all like good kid problems that, that kids get to deal with. Or, you know, I struck out. Uh, I can cry about it or I can be so determined the next one I'm hitting a bomb or, you know, so on and so forth. Or uh, I missed <laughs> more relevantly to my life. I was jacking around and I missed the steel sign and now I got to deal with the coach coming at me, <laughs> you know, uh, so it's just, I just think I, there's so many things that you're right that translate into real world experience that I don't even see a lot of people at my age, it's like they didn't get it. Uh, it's amazing how people react, talk, who cares if we disagree? What, what, <laughs> why does that give any one of us a right to go yelling and throwing temper tantrums and calling people names and saying, okay, well, you're, do you believe this or don't believe this? And you must be this. It's just stupid. It's just, it's like a yeah. really bad. Come on. Yeah. Seen at a kindergarten playground, in my opinion. That's what our world looks like in a lot of ways. The m most missing tangent is, is communication. You know what? You've got a perception with this. You've got a life that you with this. Sure. I want to teach you too, dude, because having the perspective, you know, and raising your own children and giving them a sense of purpose above and beyond the game, but still be able to enjoy the game. Um, you yeah. talk about not shouting and screaming. The only time I do that is we have to scream the television when Kevin Cash pulls Blake Snell in the sixth inning of the World Series. <laughs> but I don't think you're alone in that uh, <laughs> frustration. But outside of that, you know, the game should be fun, man. If if you can't have fun with a game, if the family can't have fun with the game, then shame on us all. Oh, right. by, the, by the way, I saw that your Cubbies beat the Dodgers in spring training. I think it was yesterday. I think it was seven to zip or something like that. I know. Um, <laughs> I love spring training. <laughs> oh gosh, Bobby. Oh man. I, I want to thank you for, for joining me. Today. Yeah. It's uh it's fun to talk a little smack, but in reality, I, I know it's spring training. And uh, yeah, it's spring training. You know, that's, that's what you could say about any of this. It's a great time. I, I'm, there's not enough of it on the air for me right now, but I love seeing all these new guys come up. I don't care if I can see a pitcher pitch one inning to see, well, I've never seen this guy before. What will I see him during the regular season? So it's exciting time. I'm glad you and your yeah. son are getting a chance to get out there and see some of it in Arizona here in a few weeks. That's fantastic, dude. Bobby, I mean, you've done so much. I'm glad to see what you guys have done with the community and yourself with coaching and all that. But you've established a couple of great businesses as well. Could you tell us a little bit more about those? Yeah, absolutely. You know, primarily, uh, we started off with real estate. We do uh, residential and, and 
honestly mostly commercial now, but uh, we, we really didn't plan on it, but we ended up getting in the food and, and beverage industry. So we've got uh, about six or seven different concepts under the Southern Hospitality Management Company. So we have uh, Mesa Collaborative Kitchen, Mesa Kids Cooking School, 1816 Modern Kitchen and Drink, uh, Bistro on Chestnut, Fresco Tea Bar, and Union Restaurant in Game Yard. And that's all I'm doing, Mark. You need to come back up here and buy these from me and look switch places. <laughs> I tell you, next time I'm coming up, I'm definitely going to take advantage of going to some of those places. Oh, my gosh. Well, that sounds fantastic, Bobby. <laughs> uh, sounds like you got your hands full, but uh, congratulations on on all that you're doing and, and your family. <laughs> Enjoy the rest of the season. And are there any parting thoughts that you'd like to leave us with today? Well, I just want to thank you for having me on and thank you for being an ambassador for the game. Um, uh, my cousin, who I'm going to tell, he's a diehard Rays fan, so he'll greatly in- enjoy your stories and uh, probably want to connect with you. And I have to say, he's been one since the beginning. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad baseball's coming back. I think, it's, as they'd say, American is apple pie, and hopefully it'll be a wonderful season. Everybody will be safe and have a, have a wonderful year. Good times, good times. Well, Bobby, again, thank, thank, thank you guys enough. And again, that's Bobby Bass from Bass Real Estate Group. Also, he said some of the restaurants he spoke of earlier, make sure you go to them. And you can find me, Mark Corbett, at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. Also, you can find us on podcasts on Apple iTunes, podcast.google, Stitcher, Spotify. We're everywhere. So <laughs> hopefully, uh, look forward to talking with you guys real soon. And again, thank you, Bobby Bass. Have a wonderful day, buddy. You too, my friend. Take care. So thanks again for joining us today in this special edition of Baseball Biz. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>